Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel. And welcome to a really exciting show and series that Lisa, say hi to everyone, Lisa. Hello, I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Because this is our joint show, so you know, I feel a bit funny doing all the introduction, because it's (laughs) you and I together doing this. Oh, great, I know, I'm so excited that we're doing this together, so thank you, thank you, Mel. Oh, you're so welcome. So, you know, Lisa and I are going to be doing this once a month, and what this is about is we're really joining some forces here, and we're looking at raising awareness about narcissism and about what we can learn about narcissism and what we can do to really, really, uh, you know, really get ourselves back and really elevate and, and heal from narcissistic abuse. So... This show is going to be really cool because what we want you to do is we're really uh, putting it out there that please become involved. I know a lot of people in Australia, I know a lot of you are at work at the moment because it's one o'clock in the afternoon and what happens is often you'll pick this up in podcast. But you know, if you've got a lunch break and you have and you can sneak out and you want to you know, make a call through to us so that we can answer some of your questions or maybe identify or clarify some things for you, please do. Please get involved. And anyone who wants to come into the chat room, my eyes are on that. And, you know, Lisa and I are going to start doing that together. We haven't, Lisa's been on holiday, so we haven't had a great deal of time to debrief before this show. But as we get better at it, Lisa's going to be watching the chat room as well. And we can both be answering questions and we can both be multitasking as only women can do. And I mean, two women, how well are we going to be able to multitask? All right. <laughs> We're going to be amazing. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we want you guys to get involved in this show if you can. That would be terrific. So, Lise, where did you go on holidays? Oh, I went to the Dominican Republic for uh, six days. It was it was lovely on the beach, great weather, very warm. Came back to Chicago and it was thirty six thirty six degrees here. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my well, you're probably goodness. used to the warmth, Mal. You've probably <laughs> it's cold well, up you're here. You're in spring, huh? You're in spring over there. What's going on? Well, Chicago does not get. Mm, you can't rely on any nice weather in Chicago until May, sometimes even June. Warm weather, that is. We have a beautiful summer, but we kind of have two seasons here. A lot of people joke that we have winter and summer. <laughs> Obviously. So what sort of, because I get fascinated by this stuff, so what sort of temperatures do you get in summer 
Um, it uh, is typically in the 80s. It can get into the 90s as well. Um, but, yeah, we, we do have a beautiful summer. And the thing about Chicago is everybody comes out in the summer. We have a lot of street festivals. And the lakefront is, we call it our beach. <laughs> so we really congregate right. there. And, and we make the most of it. So we, we, uh, yeah. we're definitely looking forward to the change in seasons. But we always do have to wait. We'll have a few teasers. It'll be nice for a few weekends. Like a couple weeks ago, we had some really nice weather, and then it gets cold again, and then we might have another te- tease. And then by May or June, you can you can count on the the warm weather. But it does take quite a while. We don't have we don't have much of a spring. <laughs> wow! Wow! That, wow. That, yeah, that's unreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in Melbourne, we've got this really weird thing. This time of year, it's meant to be getting cold because we're right down the bottom of Australia, apart from Tasmania, which is further down. But, uh, you know, normally we're cold by now, and oh, I'm yeah. in shorts and T-shirt. Oh, and yeah. it's so mild. Like, I reckon on your scale, I don't know, we're like high 20s here, which is probably, you know, 85 maybe. Wow. And... Uh, yeah, That's like warm. Warm. jumpers, heater on. Uh, yeah, it's weird. But I'm not complaining. No, don't complain. Don't complain. Gosh, no, no. Just <laughs> enjoy it. And I don't know how you guys do snow and stuff because, oh, my God, I just don't like the cold. <laughs> uh, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I've... I grew up here, but it it does get tough after a while, and you have to get away. That's why I went to the Dominican for a week. I needed some sun. (laughs) Gorgeous. So where is the Dominican? It's on the uh, other side of where Haiti is. It's on the other side of that island. So actually, it was interesting. Met some uh, folks that were from Haiti. We went to a market shop and met a, a man and his wife who were from Haiti and had um, opened a, a shop in Dominican to try to send money back home to their loved ones in such a tragic situation there in Haiti. But um, it is, um, yeah, right uh, right in the, the Caribbean is the uh, side. Punacana is where we were. And there's also Puerto Plata, oh, which is cool. the Atlantic side. But, um, yeah, it was just really nice. A, a friend got married, a destination wedding, so it was really fun. Magnificent, beautiful, beautiful. All right, so we're going to be on to let's get out of you know that 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 beautiful holiday (laughs) thing, and we're going to get into some more serious, some more um, you know things that really are not like a holiday because you know being in a narcissistic relationship is certainly not like a holiday. No, no, and you need knowledge. Knowledge is power, and and that's. Totally. What, we're, what we're here to impart and, and help everyone with. Fantastic. You know, I think what I reckon we could talk about today is let's have a look at the different types of narcissists. Okay, great. Yeah. Because I think that's really interesting and it can be a little bit sort of hard to pick which narcissist is which or even if they are a narcissist. Right, right. A lot of people... Sometimes, and I know I did this when I was when I was trying to determine. Once you realize what narcissism is, it's such a huge relief to finally understand why your significant other, whomever it is, is behaving the way they are. Because it's it's a, it's a um, their their behavior confuses and confounds you for so long, and because they're very manipulative, 
you often question yourself and think you're doing something wrong. And when you finally realize what makes a narcissist tick, it's a huge relief in the sense that you mm. you can accept that there's nothing you can do to change them. You have to accept them for who they are or move on. And I don't think, you know, their limited emotional capacity is ideal for any type of long-term committed romantic relationship. So if that's the relationship you're in, which, you know, is, is predominantly what we're talking about, we want to help people break free from that because it is an abusive relationship. And and what's what's difficult, though, is... The, the great sense of relief comes from realizing that they are a narcissist, but then sometimes we get hung up on, well, maybe they're not. And if they're not, then maybe I should stay with him. And I always tell people that, you know, you look at look at the whole thing, and narcissism falls on a spectrum, and we're all narcissistic to a certain degree. It's part of human nature. However, when it falls to a certain extreme, to the far end of the spectrum, that's when it becomes pathological or what we consider an illness, and it makes a relationship impossible. And so there's you got to understand that there's shades of narcissism, and, and it's not an exact number you can put on somebody to determine where they're at, but there are two types of, of narcissists, and a person is predominantly one or the other, but during their life, they'll go back and forth between both. And yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I definitely saw that in my narcissist, definitely. Did you? Did you? Yeah. So can you explain those two main types? Yeah. So we've got... Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. The okay, two you main types, basically um, cerebral, which I like to refer to as intellectual, or somatic, which I like to refer to as sexual. So basically, a narcissist drives or feels validated if they get attention. They feel dead inside if they don't get attention. And their whole drive of being in a relationship and seeking out a relationship with someone is to ensure they have someone present to stroke their ego at all times because they're not connected with themselves and they need this ego stroking. They have to have that always present. Um, But a narcissist at a young age, when he disconnects or she disconnects from themselves, they create what's called a false image. And this false image, or fake self is another word, is what they use, the image they project to the rest of the world. It's kind of like a shield. It's, it's like a, um, a barrier that they project out there, and it makes them feel safe so that they can't get hurt. And so this fake self they project, they conjure up this image of who they ideally would love to be. Like if they were to imagine who, you know, like a superhero or something, who that would be, this is what they put out there to the world, and it's their it's their shield, it's their guard against any further hurt from others. And when they create this person, they have to they have to think of someone who is going to get a lot of attention. And so, when you get a lot of attention, you're going to get a lot of attention, um, either in in the mind of a narcissist for being a cerebral or an intellectual narcissist, which means they derive all of their attention based on their intelligence or their talent could be you know, yeah. some kind. And yes. and they they Because a lot of narcissists are very, very good at stuff. Well a nar- yeah, I think a lot of narcissists, you know, are, are very 
we talked about this last time, you know, very intelligent. And, and one of the things that I find is they decide who, what image they want to be. So let's say, for example, they want to be an intellectual narcissist. They're either going to be an intellectual narcissist or a sexual narcissist, and they can yeah. go back and forth between the two throughout their lives. Um, yeah. But let's say as a kid they say, I'm going to be an intellectual narcissist, and I'm going to get attention based on how smart I am. Yeah. And so they are going to pour themselves into whatever it is that they want to be an authority in, whether it's yeah. they want to be a history buff, whether they want to be an artist, whatever it yeah. is that they want to be recognized for, they will study it like nothing else because it's their lifeline. Yes. Yeah. And and they that is what they use to get attention. It could be it could be a movie buff, you know. It could be yeah. somebody that can quote movie lines or, you know, whatever it is. They become an expert yeah. at it because then they have this authoritarian presence over yeah. others that they can impress people with. And without that, they feel like they have nothing. So yeah, they're good at it. They they figure out early on what they're going to be good at, and then they hone it. Now, a sexual narcissist is someone... And you can just, if I can just... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 I've also known of, and definitely uh, my first narcissist, a really big one, mm-hmm. he was very, very much about... He was good at so many things, like helping people's cars or their computers. Yeah. Or he was just this incredible master or being able to do handiwork or building anything. So he could help anybody with right. anything so right. that they would tell him what a wonderful guy he was. Right. They want to find something where they can get validated and get appreciation and get praise, especially public praise. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, if, if they're good with their hands, they're going to fine-tune that to the point where everybody knows that they are so good at this that they're going to seek out his help. Yes. Because that gives Absolutely. him public attention. That gives him validation. So they yes. they are and they're and, and they're they are obsessed with whatever that skill is that they decide they're going to hone. And yes. if it's if they're a sexual narcissist, what that means a sexual narcissist is someone who who gets attention based on their physical prowess or their sexual conquest. So yes. um, it, it, somebody who perfects their body. They become obsessive-compulsive about their image. They may work out hours a day at the gym. They may um, be obsessed with building muscle. Uh, and then as, as, as they get older and they become sexual, a lot of them use sex or se- having different sexual partners as a, as a way to validate themselves. Each conquest is another validation for them of their physical prowess. So it's, it's really, you know... I guess I could I could give a pretty good example. When I met my ex-husband, he was a cerebral or intellectual narcissist, and he was yes. brilliant. I never met anyone as intelligent as he was, and he was a double major in English and history. So literature, history, everything. I mean, it was fascinating. He wrote poetry, and he was not... He was not into like he he was he was good looking, but he was kind of like one of those I don't really notice it type things, and he was just tall and yeah. lanky. Yeah. And as our you know as we were together, we were together eight years. By the end of our relationship, 
he still had that intellectual, I'm going to be an elitist and show everyone how much I know and how much trivia I can put out there so that I can blow your mind away. But he became a somatic narcissist as well because he became, he started to become obsessed with his body and he spent hours and hours a day at the gym. And so a narcissist can be both. Or they can, mm. one can be dominant some, you know, at a younger age and then move into another area. But the key is that they need some skill where they can make sure they get attention. So if you think about it, like examples of a cerebral or what we call an intellectual narcissist would be, you know, anybody that has a public platform where they can, you know, even, you know, teachers, professors, um, any type of artist. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that these these folks would naturally make <laughs> would naturally be a narcissist. But a narcissist will seek a profession in which they can have an audience. Absolutely, where they can feel validated. Yeah. So, so, absolutely. Okay, on on that, because all right, I just want to learn a little bit more about because you are great. You you know you're great with this knowledge, and oh, I'm I'm great with knowledge, not as great. But, you know, my stuff's really the empowerment stuff too. Mm-hmm. But because I've thought about this, the cerebral, the somatic. Okay, now in, in my experience, definitely uh, definitely the first narcissist in my life, look, he was both in a lot of ways. He was very highly sexed, mm-hmm. very, very highly sexed. Not, uh, definitely not fanatical about his body, mm-hmm. but definitely sexual attention was a huge thing for him. He was very cerebral as well, uh-huh. which was interesting. Uh-huh. Okay, but uh, you know, I discovered on the breakdown of the relationship that really his big thing uh-huh. was about definitely mining attention from women uh-huh. and in a very, very sexual way. Yeah. That was really where he got his feed, his energy. He was very, very high-level, uh, jealous, exceptionally possessive. And I guess I'm wondering, are the cerebrals... Do they tend to be as jealous and as possessive on that sexual level as what the somatics are? Well, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of controversy on the topic of cerebral versus somatic narcissism because they, what, I've, what I've read, a lot of the research that I've read, and from my experience, uh, the cerebral narcissist sees sex as a chore, um, if if they're truly like, like I said, a narcissist can be both, but mm-hmm. a lot of times one but is. They my narcissistic not. experiences. They certainly weren't that. Yeah. And yeah. interesting, the ones that have come forward and really, you know, in real narcissistic injury and said, "Please help me," or "No, I'm a narcissist." Every single one of them has definitely been that I go for the sex for the feed from right. women outside the relationship. Like, so I might be dead sexually in the relationship because I'm not getting um, that supply from her. Right. You know, she's backed off. She's not, she's not interested because I've been abusing her. So mm-hmm. they can be very dead in the relationship with sex, but they, I, I noticed that they were still getting it outside or going for that outside of the relationship. So right, and, and, and Yeah. Yeah, no, I just want to make sure I remember... So we should talk about the difference between primary and secondary supply. That just makes yes. me think of that. But to to answer yes. your question, um, if somebody is more cerebral than somatic or more intellectual than uh, sexual, 
they do tend to regard sex as a chore. They kind of see it as something that is beneath them, and they would rather masturbate. Now, here's a perfect example. Yeah, right. John Mayer is the quintessential cerebral narcissist. He goes on record as saying that he would rather masturbate than yeah. be with a woman and be intimate. That yeah. is your classic example of a cerebral narcissist. They are such an elitist to the point that, uh, you know, being with a woman physically is is not a you know is nothing to them, and they'd rather just masturbate because that way they can be in control. Most narcissists uh-huh. are addicted to pornography, and most narcissists are autoerotic, Absolutely. which means they prefer to um, autoerotic means they prefer to get themselves off, and almost in a sense they look at themselves, and then this sounds sick, but they they get off on their own image, the image of themselves, like they may yeah. masturbate to, in a mirror. Um, there's yeah. movies you've seen where men, you know, you can see they're watching their image in a mirror. American Psycho comes to mind when he was flexing yeah. while he was having sex with a woman. But they definitely are what you would call a John Mayer, you know. I mean, I couldn't even believe he he went on record as saying that, but that is how yeah. they think. Yeah. That is how they think. And um yeah, and it's interesting because when I've read some stuff about John Mayer and just the way he talked, it, it like instantly I thought you really are narcissistic. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, he came right out and said he would ra- I mean, and this was a situation my ex would rather he was addicted to pornography and would rather do that by himself than be intimate with me. And that went on for yeah. years. And so yeah. reading John Mayer and his admission that he was like this and was so proud of it just uh, really hit home because I just, it's sad to me. It's sad that someone would rather, and this is, I think, an indication of what's happening in our society, how we talk about how our society breeds narcissism. I mean, children are being exposed to pornography. Young boys, their first exposure to any type of sex is Internet porn, and they have access to it like never before. And I personally think that it breeds this type of narcissism because women can't, first of all, can't compete with what's going on in that scenario. I read some article where um, uh, someone interviewed women on college campuses and the women were saying, well, we can't even, if you're not a porn star in bed, forget about it. And these guys would rather go home and, and watch porn. And it's like, that's so sad to me because they're missing the whole point of what intimacy is. Intimacy is that's right. sacred and it's something you share with somebody that, you know, is it, it it's it's just sad that, that that they're missing that whole mark and, and, and yeah. that's a whole other topic for somebody to work on. But <laughs> I feel very passionately about it, so as you can tell. And I agree and it's the difference between screwing and making love. Exactly. There's when I used to say making love, my husband my ex husband would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and yeah. tell me that was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever heard. Yeah. We're not making anything. Do you see anything being made here? I mean, I, they they have no comprehension of intimacy. And you can even, you you can, you know, I, I see some things I wish I, I would have noticed early on, just like the, they're kind of almost disengaged when you are intimate with them. They're in, they're in their own That's head. That's very, very true, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. That you certainly do have that experience yeah. of it isn't connected. It no. doesn't. Yeah. 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 You're there and you think you're connected, but 
there in their head somewhere else and and it's it's unfortunate but that's 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 um a typical cerebral a hardcore cerebral narcissist the elitist intellectual type and then you've got what's interesting is about the sexual or somatic narcissist they use sex to validate themselves so they are driven by it and um what they do however that's so that's so sad is they eventually, like any narcissist, eventually discards their their primary significant other and looks for a more a different source of supply that's more exciting. And it's you know you go from being idealized and put on a pedestal to devalued and discarded. Mm-hmm. And so when that devaluation comes in, it's very confusing because at one point you were the center of their world. Now it's important to understand and this is what I wanted to remind myself of, the difference between primary narcissistic supply and secondary narcissistic supply. And what that is is a narcissist, because they cannot live without attention and validation from others, otherwise they feel dead inside, they must secure narcissistic supply, which the definition of is simply attention. Attention from anyone is what we call supply, narcissistic supply. So primary narcissistic narcissistic supply is the ongoing, dynamic, everyday, ever-changing supply that they get from the outside world. And that is the type they prefer. And in the beginning of a relationship with any woman, you are their primary narcissistic supply because they are trying to secure and control you. And so they do thrive on that attention from you, and that is what they're focused on. However, once you settle down with a narcissist, you marry him or move in with him or whatever the case may be, he feels he is in control of you. Uh, You will notice once the devaluation stage sets in, they begin to discard and ignore you and hardly tolerate your existence. And you're wondering, what did I do wrong? And it's like pulling teeth, trying to have a conversation. Yes. (laughs) You feel like you... I remember how many times I used to say to my ex, I feel like I am talking to a brick wall. Yes. Exactly. Well, they yeah. it's like you don't exist, you know. You've yeah. At one point you were the center of their world and the next point you can't do anything right and they can hardly tolerate you and it it's such a baffling experience and it's so confusing and demoralizing. And and what what people need to understand is what happens with a narcissist is it's inevitable. You're always going to get to that stage where you're put on the back burner because they're always seeking the next high. They're always seeking something that's more exciting. They're always seeking the next form of supply that's new and different. And so That's right. And this is why narcissists can't do just normal friendships. Right. So, because when you have a normal friend that's not an acquaintance, you might be sitting around, you know, hanging out with them. And right. you'd be sitting around watching a TV show. Right. And there's no narcissistic supply out of that. You're just sharing space with somebody. And a narcissist cannot stand to be sharing space with somebody uh-uh. if there's no narcissistic supply from it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and they only seek relationships with people they think they can get something from. Or, you know, that there's something to be something to be gotten i mean otherwise they don't see a point in it and and so exactly i mean i had a friend who recently asked me what i bring to the table (laughs) well i've been friends with you for 20 years i don't know didn't know i needed to bring something to the table (laughs) goodness me that's interesting but but yeah um and that's kind of how someone with a narcissistic mentality thinks is you know what are you bringing to the table and if you're not bringing something, I really don't want to waste my time with you. 
Mm. So it's it's that's their mentality, and 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 what happens is a, the narcissist moves to a point where they become bored and they become disengaged and they want to seek out new sources of supply. So for a for a you know for an, for a sexual narcissist, that's going to be having um, typically it's seeking out other sexual relationships. For a cerebral narcissist, they typically prefer to turn to pornography. Uh, from everything I've seen and experienced, i got to say, cerebral pretty much turned to pornography because seeking out relationships with with women and putting the energy into having those affairs is just too much effort for them. They'd rather just have the pornography and not deal with anyone. But somebody who is deri- and does derive all of their validation from having many sexual partners will at this point seek out another source of supply. And what you become then is the secondary source of supply. You are there should the outside world fall short of his expectations for providing supply for that day. So if he doesn't get enough attention from the outside world or his mistress or whomever is not meeting his needs, then you're you're basically there for backup supply. And that's what you've become. And that's what is so difficult to understand is, you go from being this idealized person to someone who he treats as a backup. Also, he resents, he has no respect for you because he knows he treats you horribly. He knows this deep down. So he has no respect for you. And, and you know, it, it's, it's this catch-22. It's, it's you, you know, you, you're, you think you're trying to do everything you can to make this work, but at the same time, he sees how horribly he's treating you, and he has no respect for you because you put up with it. So it's a, Hold on. you can't win. You cannot win. I mean, yeah. I had a client that we had this discussion with uh, that you know I'm doing healing work with her at the moment, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting because she's disengaged, but she's still you know having contact, which is ripping her apart, of course. Yeah. And when she's catching up with him, he's saying to her, "You're bringing this all on yourself." You know, you were warned. You know exactly what I am. You know how I'm destroying you. And you know I have no respect for you. And you're a disgusting, pathetic creature. And you're standing there and you're copying it from me. And, you know, and the thing is, he's come fully out. You know, he's come fully out in the open and saying what he's doing. And, And what she's recognizing is, you know, absolutely, definitely, this is about, you know, regaining herself and putting a focus on herself and getting it off him. And, you know, pulling away from this and taking responsibility and, and, you know, for her and healing. But it's just so interesting that, uh, you know, when you do get to that stage, and I did with my first narcissist, when they will actually really come out and really explain it to you, you know, point blank about how little respect you actually have for yourself. Oh, and, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is the depth. It's, it's yeah. just the most horrible, horrible, you know, and it, and it really does feel like you've sold your soul yeah. um, to Satan, really. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it really yeah, does. it's like a fly being in a web of a spider and the spider's spitting on you because you're uh, in this web and it's just, yeah. But just, yeah. you know, another point about being that secondary source and how, you know, we are there if we're a partner of a narcissist and we're a backup sense of supply. But, you know what, I also really think, and I'm sure you'd probably agree with me, that, you know, that narcissist has got that horrible inner dialogue 
because he's really in, uh, you know, he's in states of like rage and, and, and self-hatred. And so he's oh, got like this super ego critical voice that is beating him up constantly. Now he's yeah. got to, to try and feel better, he's got to offload that. He's oh, got to dump that and yeah. line someone up and, right. and, and blame them and, and accuse them of being everything he is. Oh, now, yeah. you know, you can't do that. Let's say he was doing that in everyday life. I mean, right. we've all seen people that do. People tell people to piss off. Right, exactly. Right? You yeah, could not get away that. with that in your workplace. You could not get away with that on the street. You could not no. get away with that. People are not going to tolerate it. But no. a love partner that is hooked up in this right. will. Oh, yeah, and they they count on that, and they need... They need that. They, I think a really good word to describe how they treat us is a pawn. We're like a pawn that they play in a game. And they, that's how they see us and that's how they're going to manipulate us. And at the end of the yeah. day, they know that they're treating us horribly and they have no respect for us. So even when we yeah. do try to stand up, when we break out and try to stand up for ourselves, they, they just laugh at us, you know. I mean, they have... Yeah. They have no respect, and it's yeah. it's very unfortunate because it's, you know, I'm reading this book right now. Um, it's talking about the difference between the male brain and the female brain, and it's fascinating. And and I know a narcissist can be can be male or female, most definitely. But um, I think a lot of times women are very nurturing by nature, and it shows um, the advances in brain and technology now are so amazing that they can look and scan our brains and see that women have uh, an activation hub that is much larger than a man for empathy in their brain. And, and, and I think a lot of us, we, we see the good in people. We want to believe in them. Um, <clears throat> we use emotional reason, reasoning where, as men, use logical or cognitive reasoning. So we sometimes don't question things as much. And we just go with our emotion. I know I'm a very trusting person, and I, I, I still, even though I've learned, I still trust people more than I should. And, and I think that that's unfortunate because a narcissist targets somebody that they see that has those qualities, that is very empathetic and, and nurturing and caring. And, and we, we believe, we believe we fall in love with an image. We, we. What's so difficult to understand when you realize that you've fallen in love with a narcissist is you're in love with someone that doesn't exist. You're in love with an image. You're in love with someone you thought existed but isn't really there. And it's hard sure. to accept. It's hard to accept once you realize that this man is not who you thought he was at all. You know, and... and I look at Sandra Bullock. I don't know if you're following that situation, but just yeah, 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 yeah. That's another dead ringer, isn't it? Really? Oh God, it's so yes. And I've been reading, you know, how he act, how he, he's like two people. You know, people are saying that around around Sandra, he's just this doting, wonderful, loving person, and when she's not around, he turns into this completely different person. And, and mm. what's so sad to me is that she's finally seen him for who he really is, and he put on such a brilliant act, you know, for, for so long. But you know, what? you know what? And this is the interesting thing, because I have been looking into that situation, definitely. <laughs> Sandra also, according to, you know, sources and information, that he had quite a past. He did. got involved with him, and this is where, as women, 
You know, this is like a lot of the stuff I teach in the dating stuff because I had to learn so much about this myself. Right. Is that you've really got to, you know, like if we're going to go and buy a car or a house, we make really good assessments about it. Right. We don't just go with how it feels or how it looks on the surface. Sandra, there was a lot of information about that he had slept with numerous women in the, in the past, that he was a bad boy, that he'd been in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. He did not come with good credentials. Right, right. In her heart, of course. In her heart, you know. Her heart wanted to believe that he Correct. was, you know. She, yeah, and, and I've, I've, I'm so guilty of the same thing. Like, seeing we all signs, were. Yeah, and then saying, we all were. oh, but he, you know, he just needs yeah. real love. And, and you know, yep. you just want to believe that, you want to yes. believe the best in people and, and we do yes. that. We do. That's why I, th- I think it's so. This book is so interesting to me because it talks about how we use emotional reasoning so much more, whereas men use cognitive yes. reasoning. So, like you're saying, right. you know, the cognitive part would be like you're buying a car or a house. You do research. You figure Absolutely. out what's the history. What is this? This and so you make decision based on, um, you know, the the this, the the facts and the logic and et cetera. And on um, women are far different from men in their brain wiring that we use emotional reasoning way, way more than than we should. (laughs) That's right. And in the olden days, it was very much about when a woman was uh, at that age where she was available for marriage, suitors would have to go through the father. Yeah. would check all of their credentials. Now, you know what? I am sure that weeded out a ton of narcissists. Oh, I'm sure it did. And, and I, I also was reading recently that um, when they, you know, obviously the divorce rate has risen over the years, but marriage was most successful when it was looked at as a business transaction between two families who felt like this was a good, Correct. this was something, an arrangement that was good for both families. Maybe they had farms and they were going to both join the farms or whatever it yes. was, but it was a, yes. it was seen as a business transaction more than anything else. And when that was the case, more marriages worked than not. And I find that so. Well, what I think in that business transaction, a lot of character would have been defined. Exactly. Because if you're getting into business with somebody, you are looking closely at that person's character. Absolutely. Exactly. And if we're going to have a healthy relationship, we need to ascertain character. Right. Really. Interesting. I had because because I'm dating. I'm in between relationships, and you know it's so much of my research and what I bring to the table, and I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. But anyway, I had an experience not long ago where I was contacted. I internet date, and it's no secret. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was contacted by an extremely attractive man. Extremely mm-hmm. attractive. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he came forth, and he came forth. Uh, on a chat, he contacted me and, you know, first point of contact, and he said to me, you know, I feel like you're my destiny. I've been having dreams about this woman and she looks exactly like you and I know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and my first thing was I said to him, look, you know, I don't believe in instant attraction and I'm actually, you know, I don't really believe in people having those sort of feelings and then putting them on the table immediately. Like, uh, you know, what's really going on here? So he just went, did this whole big backflip, and he just went, um, you know, well, nobody's ever, like, um, summed me up before or tried to categorize me before. Or, and I said, well, maybe they should. 
Yeah. Anyway, so I didn't fall for it. So then he actually went flat out into the NLP, into the uh, suggestion. He went into double speak. He went into every single, and then he ended up saying, well, you know I'm in your head and in your bed and in your heart, and you're not going to be able to stop me ringing you. Oh my God. You, you're not going to be able to stop yourself ringing me. And I said, you know what? Nobody gets in my head or my bed or my heart until right. I decide they're in there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? And then wow. he was like, well, you know you've got feelings for me. You know you care about me. And I said, you know what? I said, I actually have no feelings for you. I don't have love. I don't have hate. I don't actually have anything. Yeah. And I said, no. And I said, at the moment, I'm actually, you're part of my research. And then he popped. He called me every name under the sun. I was a filthy hoe. So I just blocked him. And I went, well, that was an interesting narcissistic experience. Yeah, isn't it? Wow. That is so telling, so telling. And it the was manipulation he used, the manipulation to try to tell you how you are thinking, you know. And he came thinking. in like the, oh, my God, you are the love of my life where mm-hmm. have you ever been. So, and he's mm-hmm. a stunning-looking man. So, yeah. And his profile was spot on. No, I'm sure so, I'm you sure know, I'm that's a dangerous man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a Very. dangerous man. Yeah. Because, you know, seven, eight, ten years ago, I could have easily fallen for that. Oh, sure. Well, it just, I mean, who doesn't want attention from a handsome, charming man who is telling you how wonderful you are? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and and that's why in, in the, the six red flags I have, one, the first one is, you know, it, if it seems too good to be true, question it. Nothing is that. I truly believe a narcissist will conform themselves to what they believe you want they 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 learn about you they know enough about you to put themselves out there as this ideal you know ideal mating partner for you and it's 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 just not not realistic i mean the real genuine people don't need to constantly you know puff themselves up and 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 they're not going to talk in such grandiose language about being the one and having dreams of you. It's exciting and it really gets you like, oh, wow, it's kind of like a fairy tale, <laughs> you know, but it's not and you know what, even if that was true, let's just say, you know, somebody had had a psychic premonition, right. you know, they would tell you that three to six months down the track and they go, oh, my God, I can tell right. you now. Like, it really freaked me out and it's a bit embarrassing, but I actually had these dreams. That's a good point. Any healthy person would not tell you that right out of the gate because you, no. you would think, huh? You know, and, and but that's their lure. They want you to believe in magical thinking. They want you to believe in the fairy tale. They want you... You know, and, and they prey on people that have been through a lot, and 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 they yes, you know they want to be their salvation, and and whenever they come on that strong, it's a huge red flag. Huge. It red is. Flag. Yeah. And one of the really good protections, because you know, let's say somebody did get be carried away, and they weren't a narcissist, and you said, you know, hang on, pull up. Right. I want to get to know your credentials and who you are. Right. You know, right. a person who's got the resources would go, look, you're absolutely right. That was really a bit crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's just start and do this respectfully. Yeah, they would exactly. do that. Exactly. So, you know, if you do get somebody that comes on like that and you put up that healthy boundary and right. say, well, look, 
I don't know how I feel about you. I don't even know you yet. Yeah, I just met you. Right, right. Yeah, I don't even know anything about you. Right. Of course I'm not going to fall for you straight away. That would be a ridiculous thing for me to do. So, you know, if you put that up and respect yourself, you'll see, because a narcissist has got no staying power. He's after the instant hit of gratification. He's so impatient, and he has got no tolerance for, for accountability or credibility or, or being solid. He can't do it. No, they absolutely cannot. And I think that that's such a, a, a good recommendation is to put boundaries up and respect yourself. And if, if someone is truly interested in you, they will be patient and they will take their time and you won't need, you won't feel rushed into the relationship. Whenever someone's rushing you into a relationship, you got to question it because that's, that's an M, that that's what a narcissist does. That's their M.O. They want to rush you in. They want you to fall head over heels. They want you to believe it's a fairy tale, and and they're not going to wait around like you said. They they just have no tolerance for it because they can find some, they can find another person who will fall for it and jump in. You know, with feet first. So exactly it's um exactly that's a yeah. really good point you've got to have boundaries you've got to slow things down i mean and you know in the beginning you the beginning stage is, is always so exciting but if you rush too quickly and you get too physical too fast you miss some of these these characteristics that you need to look for because once you do get physical, you're just in that, that euphoric zone where there's so many mm-hmm. chemicals going on that you really can't discern um, so, some of these things. Like you said, when it's a business transaction, you're looking at things logically. So the minute we rush in and get physical with them, we're even more emotional about how we think of the relationship. And that's just a dangerous area to be in. And so you really should put boundaries up and, and not rush it. Totally. And when women lose their bodies, they lose their minds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're ready to lose your body to somebody, you want to make sure and know this person's character. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And a narcissist is not going to hang out waiting for you no. while you're ascertaining his character. No, they He'll won't. blow off. Mm-mm. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be done. He's not going to wait around long. So... Yeah. yeah. I, I so, so to the because you know, mine was somatics mm-hmm. mainly. I reckon they were very much that. So the cerebral, do they? So they do they come in and hit in that big romantic whirlwind way as well? Yes, they do. They do. Um, they they just you know, and in the in the beginning, you know. Uh, this, whether it's a cerebral or a somatic, a narcissist is always, you know, driven by the challenge. So um, it's it's where you really see the distinction later on is a cerebral will pretty much, once they need a more exciting source of supply, will typically revert to, and this is my opinion, but will typically revert to pornography, whereas a somatic will typically go outside of the relationship for that new exciting source of supply. Um, or another example of what a cerebral might do is online. They may they might start online relationships with people um, yeah, because yeah. It, it, they're they're a little more, you know, in, introverted and and um, 
to to an extent, as as much as narcissists can be, because they need that validation. But they can't be bothered with the demands or needs of a real person. So they need it to be, they need it to be like a you know um, a computer relationship or no relationship at all, which is pornography. But um, in the beginning, they do. They come on strong, romantic. Everything is you know you you wouldn't. It's it's hard to distinguish any of that until you get you know further along into the relationship. But you can. What I think is good to know about the difference between a cerebral and somatic is, is you can look at, you know, you can look at the individual and and by knowing this, you can start to see what they derive their ego from, what they feel validated on. You know, you'll see them if you're at a party and somebody's talking about a subject they, they feel like they're an authority on. They'll interject themselves and interrupt. You know, you can start to see these things that they use as ways to validate themselves. And same with the somatic, you the sexual narcissist. You see that they're an unbelievable flirt. They can't resist flirting with women. I mean, I've, um, you know, you know that guy, his, his wife is standing there and he's still flirting with you, you know? <laughs> it's obnoxious. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can't, you can't watch for right. things. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And look, in a lot of ways, you know, you can see a lot of people that really, and that's a part of our society, isn't it, as well? It's like, you know, my whole identity is based on what you think of me oh, yeah. rather than that whole spiritual responsibility right. of, you know, what I think about me and how I feel about me is really important. Right, right exactly. I mean, well, when I describe a narcissist, I... I, I often say that a narcissist was raised on a judgmental uh, value system which teaches you that if you're, you know, smart, thin, good-looking, you'll be loved, if not, forget about it. And and so a lot of people that maybe were raised in a family like that begin to rely on um, external validation in order to feel okay, and that's all image, 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 image. Well, that's what our society validates. That's what our society rewards. Yeah. It's gotten to a point yeah. where... I mean, it's a societal issue, and that's why I believe narcissism is is on the rise in numbers um, comparatively with obesity. It's an epidemic. It's truly an epidemic. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. You would know from the interaction you get, from the from the emails and the phone calls and contacts. I get constantly. It's and I think what is really good is that a lot of people are catching on to the word. They're getting the word, you know, narcissism. And then they're going and they're seeking out, you know, what it is about and they're finding out about it because cause it's a parallel universe. It really is. You know, we've been brought up um, in, in our existence, I think really, I guess, A, not wanting to believe that, I guess, you know, soulless, for want of a word, it is a word and it is the truth and evil does exist. Yeah. Or we've really been brought up with a real abhorrence to it with, uh, you know, I don't want to accept that, I don't like it, I wish I could change it. And, you know, and unfortunately we can often steer right into it Mm -hmm. when, you know, well, uh, it's disgusting that people like that in the world operate. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really helpful when we get to an understanding. And I know in my acceptance of narcissism and a lot of other people, it's like, well, look, it does exist. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we've got light, we've got dark, we've got day, we've got night, we've got, you know, you've got Vanuatu, you've got Beirut, 
you've got everything going on here. Mm-hmm. And this stuff does exist. Oh, absolutely. And and we are just now starting to build awareness to it. I, I really believe that awareness on the in this area is, is very new and you know, when I when I let's see, I, I started <clears throat> When I met my ex-husband, it was 94, and he, you know, jokingly referred to himself as a narcissist. It it took me until 2003, yeah. 2002 or three, to literally look into the true meaning of. I mean, I knew what a narcissist was. I'm like, oh, self-confident, whatever. I didn't look into the true meaning of it and the implications it had on a relationship yeah. until certain yeah. events in my marriage forced me to look at it. And when I did, it was like. Oh my! It explained everything, you know, and yes. and that's why knowledge is power. Because you can bang your head against the wall for a decade trying to figure out why isn't this working anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people think, oh, yeah. well, he changed. No, he never changed. You just, I mean, not not you just woke up because that's not that's not fair. I was I was, you know, but he his true colors are finally coming out. He didn't yeah, change. Yeah. He was always that way. He just hid it from you. And they are brilliant, brilliant actors. And yeah. you don't see it until you are at a point of no return. You 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 finally at some point, um, you know, have the courage to look at what's going on. I think that's a big part of it. I think for many years I buried my head in the sand and I didn't want to acknowledge the problem oh, with the issues. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted yeah. when I when I announced that I was you know not announced but when I started telling friends I was divorcing my husband, one of my good friends said I, I can't believe this this is devastating to me you were the couple I wanted to be you were the I you know I mean this is how how hidden our issues were to the rest of the world you know and yeah, and how I refused to talk about it because. Mm. I didn't want to believe it was as bad as it was. And when I finally stopped lying to myself and looked yes. into the true meaning of narcissism and there was information out there available to me, which there wasn't a lot in, in at the time, now there's much more, yes. thankfully, yes. that's when I realized I have to, I, this is my life. I get one life. I have to take care of myself. I can't. Yes. I either move on or accept him for who he is, and I'm not going to stay in this abusive relationship. So we have choices, fortunately, and that's the positive thing. It's about empowering ourselves to move on. That's right. That's right. And a lot of that is the acceptance because I know when we're in there and we're stuck in it, first of all, you can't, before you realize it, you can't even fathom how you're having these ridiculous, crazy episodes yeah. and arguments. It's like being with a five-year-old adult yeah. that you would really get more sense out of a five-year-old. <laughs> right, now, exactly. It, it's just exactly. crazy. It's off the charts. None of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, you start to realize, hopefully, eventually, that, you know, it's not normal. Right. And normal adults don't operate like that. Mm-hmm. I know with me, I just one day, out of the blue, into my head popped the word narcissism. Uh-huh. And I jumped on and I Googled it and I went, oh, my God. Right. I did what everybody else does who finds yeah. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, then, and then I did the whole denial thing. I did the whole, oh, my God, there's got to be a cure. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, you know, the normal, normal stuff. And I yeah. hung in there for a long time and so on, so on, so on, so forth. And then where I got to, which is where I help a lot of people get to, is the acceptance yeah. of, yes, these people do exist, they operate in a completely different way to us. And, you know, we can do that whole incense thing. 
how could they do that? How could they be this? How could they? Because right. it is. It's horrible. It's painful. It's yeah. soul gutting. It's all of those things. Right. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's like saying, why did that crocodile bite me? How dare a crocodile bite me? It bit you because it's a crocodile. Right. <laughs> Very good analogy, yes. Yep. Yeah. And narcissists operate in the way they do because they're narcissists. Exactly. Point blank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and when we can ex- Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and when we can accept it. I, I love the serenity prayer, which, you know, oh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yes. And, and that's... That really is huge when you acknowledge that your significant other is a narcissist because you you have to accept what you cannot change and you have to understand what you can change and really what you can change is yourself. You're not going to change him. So then you make decisions around that and you, you, know, you recreate your life, but you're not going to change him. Exactly. And you know what happens with us women that get involved with narcissists? We definitely... We're good people. We've got yeah. high levels of integrity. Yeah. And that high level of integrity, we're brought up or, or at some level we absorbed integrity's right and we do the right thing and we don't right. want to be thought of as a bad person. Right. And, we, you know, integrity is a big push and a big drive for us and we, we're very strong. Weak women leave. I'll tell you that. They leave because they cannot cope with a narcissist. It's strong women that are driven by integrity right. and by about being right, yeah. you know. And I, and I guess we have this big thing that you know it's wrong, and I want to make it right. Right. And and right. and that's what drives us to keep going, mm-hmm. rather than yeah. just going. You know what? Nothing's wrong or right. It either is serving you or it's not. Right. Right. Well, we're well-intentioned and we're very nurturing and we see someone who, exactly. who I, think, I think we realize that they're in a lot of pain and we see potential and we want yes. to help and fix them. And, you know, yes. it, it, that I think is just, you know, I, I, I think that that's a wonderful trait and I don't think we should beat ourselves up for it. I think we should recognize that, you know, a lot of narcissists do seek very strong women because they can't be with someone that's going to be too needy. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. They need someone that's not going to have a lot of needs because basically the relationship is nothing but them taking. Take, 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 and you give, give, give. That's and, right. uh So they, they do know yeah. when they're seeking someone out. They know what they're looking for, but it's... um. It's up to us to finally get honest with ourselves and and yeah. realize what we can change and what we can't before we can truly change. That's try. right. Yeah. And there's no point trying to help or fix somebody's life who right. doesn't want the help and doesn't want the fixing. Exactly, exactly. It's a pointless mission. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Well, we're nearly up. Ah. We, yeah, 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 oh, can you believe that? Gosh, that went quickly. It did go fast. <laughs> you know, well, I think it's a great start. Yeah. I think it's a great start to our show. We've got yeah. so much material. Oh, yeah. So we could talk for hours. So I look forward to our next show. We've got for years. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, everybody out there, what we really want you to do is really, you know, we had some people in today sitting back. And it is a difficult topic and, you know, it's, it can be really, really hard to come forward, but it's so healing when you do. So uh, 
Yeah, look, we'll see you next month on this yeah. show. And please come forward and, you know, share or ask questions. And you can always, you know, get in contact with either of us. Okay, you can um, look us both up and get in contact with either of us. And we'd be more than uh, happy to help and steer you in the right direction. So, Lisa, thank you. Thank you, Melanie. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll All right, talk Colin. soon. Okay. And we'll talk soon. You have a good night. Have a good Thanks. sleep. Thanks. Okay. Take care, Bye. Mom. Bye now. Bye. All right, everybody. And I'll look forward to my show next week. All right. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.